0: This show brought to you
1: by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com.
0: Please be sure to subscribe, and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. We are into November. It's just crazy. First Thursday of November? Wow. This is just a lot. Um, so, But anyway... I think that in the Northern Hemisphere, we are getting uh, cooler. I know for certain here in San Antonio, we are getting cool for us. Um, And when you uh, stay inside more, I think that the need for really amazing books and things to binge watch are an absolute necessity. So now that the holidays are fast approaching and people will be traveling and people will be. You know, hiding from relatives in the bathroom as well as going to the grocery store for extended length of time and just sitting in your car um, also waiting for Black Friday everyone needs an amazing book to read and I have not only an amazing book to suggest today but the author as well as you should know that she has a ton of books out so she will keep you plenty busy for pretty much the duration of the winter so Um, I have Emily Mims here today, and writing was not this first choice for the San Antonio teacher. In fact, she wrote her first novel on a dare. She had finished a book, and she said, I can do better, and her husband, Charlie, said, then do it. So she did, and she wrote that first book, which didn't sell, and will probably never see the light of day, as we all have um, that first book that's sitting in a box under our beds or hidden somewhere in a file. Um but she did sell her second book and 17 more and to date she's got over is it over 30 books, Emily? Number 41 is coming out yeah. Tuesday. huh. Okay, Number f- okay. Yeah, 41, right? Mhm. Okay. So, welcome to the show, Miss Emily Mims. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. So, I'm so excited because so you last time you were here, you were just starting a third series. So walk us through, if you can, just the first two series, and then you've spun off a third series from the first two.
1: Okay, I'll be happy to. Um, the first series is the Texas Hill Country series. It is set in a lake community, very much like the one that we have a home in, and Over half of my heroes and two of my heroines were wounded warriors. The last book in that series, I introduced a character, Ren Ren Navarro, to go to Tennessee um, to investigate uh, uh, goings-on at a fictional bluegrass nightclub in Bristol, Tennessee, slash Virginia. And that okay. turned into the Smoky Blue series. Uh, there were ten books in that series, um, and the last book of the Smoky Blue series, I actually began here in San Antonio with a young lady who had, who from Tennessee, who is now uh, was living in San Antonio, and uh, that became. The crossover book or the bridge book between the Smoky Blue series and the Durango Street Theater series, which is set back here in San Antonio, um, behind or with a fictional nightclub—not nightclub—a fictional theater, based very uh-huh. closely on San Antonio's Woodlawn Theater. Right. And I have written and, and three books.
0: Used...
1: Right. I've written three and books in that, that series. Because
0: you guys. You, you and your husband volunteer
1: for that theater, correct? Yes, we do. My husband is uh, one of their photographers. I don't volunteer. I uh, just go and enjoy. But my husband oh, actually does a lot of the photography there. And when I came up with the idea for doing the, the series, uh, the Woodlawn opened its hearts. They opened their doors. They have just been wonderful. They have provided me the
0: backdrop for the series. At any point, was the theater ever um, like, well, do you have sex in your books? Do you are they saucy? Do we want to be? I mean, was there ever that discussion, or was it just, right? We're so excited. These people are the most warmest, most accepting people in the
1: world. They are sophisticated themselves. Um, You would have to be to work in theater. Very, very accepting. Uh-huh. Um, as one of the uh, academy instructors put it to me, she said, this is the place where people come when they don't get acceptance anywhere else. We accept them yeah. when no one else will. And uh, I hope that quality is being portrayed in the books because that's what the Woodlawn stands for. They have uh, LBGT Nights. Um okay. everyone everyone of every walk of life is made welcome either as uh actors, uh backstage participants, audience, doesn't matter. Everyone's welcome. Yeah.
0: And that was I mean, so that'll just kind of shoot us right into your newest book because this is it's called Wade's Dangerous Debut, um, at Durango Street Book Three. And um it's it's definitely outside what you've written before.
1: Yes it is.
0: The other hero's name is Owen.
1: It is okay. my first foray into uh gay romance.
0: Okay. And what I mean, what made you want to take this path for this character? Wade has been with me through all three
1: series. Wade mm-hmm. was a high school senior in um, Solomon's Choice, the very first book I wrote. He continued to pers- be, uh, show up every so often in the uh, Hill Country series, and his own his mother's story was told in Never and Always. And okay. throughout the the, uh, the the series, I didn't know Wade was gay. I did not. Okay. I knew that he had issues with women. But I, as everyone else did, blamed that on the fact that he grew up in an extremely dysfunctional situation um, and that he had trouble maintaining relationships. But Mm -hmm. it dawned on me as I started thinking about the bridge book to take me back, bring my characters, bring my stories back to San Antonio. Maybe there Mm -hmm. was more to Wade's um, reticence with women than just... Family issues. What if he was trying very hard to be someone he was not? And I don't know how the the idea grasped or grabbed hold of me. But by the time I wrote Noel, which is the last book in the um, Smoky Blue series, uh, Wade had had was fully developed in my mind as a tortured young man trying to hide who he really is from the world. Even from his theater friends, where he would, you know, he would enjoy
0: complete and
1: total acceptance. Okay. And so and and did
0: you see this as you've been around? I mean, you, you and your husband are in the music um, scene, and then you also are in the theater. Um, but have you seen this? And and you are a teacher, so I mean, you've you've seen multiple kinds of kids. Oh um, sure. Was this pulled from from any students or or people you've known? Uh, yes it it it, it yes it was. Um, mm-hmm.
1: what I saw over my years of teaching was a complete 180 in terms of attitude toward gay kids at school. When I first mm-hmm. started teaching back in the seventies, man, nobody came out of the closet. Teachers, students, alike. Sure. Now, it never really became acceptable for the teachers to come out of the closet, although we did have some, of course, who were gay. But the students, by about 2000, uh, 2005, um, mm-hmm. were much more okay with it. They were out, and mm-hmm. they um, – I think it made everybody it, – it made for a much more comfortable situation.
0: Um right
1: the- The kids were extremely accepting of one another which uh okay. that's that's a warm fuzzy i
0: mean you want that sure and so I mean, you want them to feel safe with whom they hang around yes, you do and the
1: mm-hmm.
0: um the the
1: student body um they were they were fine they were fine with it uh okay. which goes to show they probably would have been fine with it forty years ago also
0: Possibly, but, uh, yeah. And and do you think that did you have um, did you? Well, let me see the question. Um, do you think that it helped encourage more conversation or productive conversation among the staff when the kids were more accepting of each other?
1: Oh yes, oh yes. Um, and the handful of teachers, perhaps, that weren't um, got a lesson in intolerance. Okay. But, uh, most most of us most of us, you know, we we just love the kids and we love them as sure. they were, not as we wanted them or thought they ought to be. And this is this is the attitude that I see so much in the theater world. They love mm-hmm. one another for who they are. Sure. And it's sure. It's, it's a very um uh, it's warm and happy and welcoming. And I think it also Helps encourage uh, talent because oh, uh, sure. if you can, if you can go there and you can feel safe, then you uh, you're able to utilize your talents to the to the maximum.
0: Well, I love the fact that you know Wade has been with you from the very beginning, and it's very cool to see this beautiful long character arc for him because you know as he's popped into these different stories. Um, you know, it, it's this little nugget of information you've given us on him and maybe even, you know, you're learning about him too. Um, and then that aha moment of, oh, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. That had to be kind of, that had to be a buzz for you to say, it was, oh, it was, it was it. interesting. It was, yeah, you know,
1: but he was about, he was the only character from the Texas Hill Country series whose story was more or less left unresolved at the end of that series. Uh the last time we see Wade in that series is at the end of his mother's book and he okay. has um he has uh seen some awful things in his own family that have left him disturbed and I remember the uh, the comment is made at the end of the book that he's going to need some serious counseling before he'll be able to, to cope and go on. And I just left, left it there. At that point, I had no idea I was going to bring him back in another series because at that Uh point, the smoky blue series was only about uh, partially conceived. It was only about half, half there in my mind. Uh, So, um, I had no idea that I would be revisiting Wade again but then when I got to thinking about coming back to Texas uh, for the third series I'm going well I have a cast of characters that I created in the first series Wade being one of them now this in mm-hmm. Wade's story we see his mother and his stepfather again we see uh, Emily and Jason Donahue who were the uh, leads in unexpected assets. We see them, um, I have uh, in the books about five years have passed, so we're able to see where Angie and Russ are. We're able to see where Jason and Emily are. And it's kind of fun to revisit those characters um, with children now and with uh, how their lives have progressed mm-hmm. and uh, how and their it, lives what? Have, are still t- interacting
0: with weights. With so what is the response you're getting? So when you first approached your editor and said, hey, I have figured out this guy's story and he really needs to be told, um, was there any discussion in the sense of, oh, no, we can't do that? Or was it, hey, let's do that? Or how do we approach that? Or what, what was the conversation? Well, quite the
1: opposite. This, um, My... my uh, Editor-publisher Michelle Clayman of Burroughs Publishing is extremely supportive of uh, gay romance. She has several writers who specialize in gay romance. They do almost nothing but. And this Mm -hmm. month of her six releases, four of them are gay romance. So she was very, very positive about it. She was, um, let's, you know, by all means, let by all means, write the book,
0: and so she's well read and in, in what would be cliche versus what would be valid and would be real like a, a sure. you know we don't we we talk about a lot of this in in uh, the romance world, especially in the last couple of years, is how we don't want to just throw a character to be diverse, if you will uh, mm-hmm. you know quote unquote to put it in there. You know, we want to be valid and fair and true to what the character's honestly going through. Um, because somebody's going to relate to that character when they read it. I hope it.
1: so. I hope yeah. so. I, I truly do. Although, surprising to me, 80% of uh, the folks reading gay romance are straight women. Mm-hmm. I think what it boils down to is that a love story is a love story.
0: Yeah. Love yeah, a well story for sure. It is. And so tell me about Wade's story and he meets Owen in this. So tell me about this. These men are both wounded. Wade's
1: wounds don't show. He comes in with the hurt and the hang-ups that were were given him by his or were brought brought into his life by his, his uh um biological, by his, by his biological family. Uh, mm-hmm. Wade's scars are on the outside. Wade is a re, re, disabled or retired, not disabled particularly, but retired policeman who was injured trying to defuse a bomb.
0: Okay, and so Owen has, is the, the the Owen's the police other, officer other lead.
1: police officer. Okay, Owen's. Okay. And he, uh Wade's scars are on the inside, Owen's are on the outside, but it cost mm-hmm. Owen his acting because he is very self-conscious about the scarring and does not want to get back up on the stage at the Durango. Sure. And so okay. The the men you know, Wade is there to help Owen overcome his reluctance to act again, and Owen is there to help Wade come out of his shell and be honest with the world about who he is. Both men okay. are scarred. Both men need to come out of their shells or to uh to be honest with well Wade needs to be honest with the world. Owen needs to use his tremendous talent despite the scars. Oh, right, if, you know. And so they, you know, each one Provides what the other one, you know, needs to, or in, I shouldn't say provides, encourages the other one in what he needs to go on with his life in the most productive and way so they, possible.
0: So, a great love story. I hope so. A great, a great romance for the happily ever after. I sure hope so. It uh, <laughs> it it struck a chord with me,
1: and my editor told me it was one of the best ones I've written for her. Oh, and you've and so, quite a few for her, so that's a huge compliment. Yeah, I, I, I took it as one too. Um, I, I, this is her, my twenty-second book for her, and so yeah, I yes,
0: think she'd she. You. <laughs> she, I, I, I was quite touched when she said that. Was there ever? I mean, was there ever a hesitation to write something different from what you've written before? No, no, there was not. These uh, wage okay. stories
1: screamed to be told it had to be told. Okay. And yeah. I um and I'm planning a second gay romance in the same series with totally okay. different situation of course. But I'm thinking sure. it will be number 6 in the Durango Street Theater series. We're not under contract yet or anything, but uh, sure. I have high hopes that it will be my second gay romance.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I've already introduced those two characters as supporting characters in some of these other books.
0: So was Wade one of those characters that your readers would say, so what happened to him? I mean, because, you know, I, I know sometimes readers will connect to certain characters. And was he one of those ones where people were just curious about how his life turned out? And are they excited about knowing? Uh, I think they are. Uh, the Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people
1: did did respond positively to Wade. He was a um, he was always a sympathetic character and a good friend to Jason and Emily and a devoted son to his mother, um, who actually was his stepmother. Um, mm-hmm. But they considered themselves mother and son. And you better not forget it. Uh, she was right. the one stable. Stable uh, influence in an otherwise crappy childhood and his devotion to her, uh, I think in it, it you know warmed him or endeared him to a lot of my readers that he was such and a and so good...
0: what i what I love about your series as you've you know pulled this thread through the different lines and then of course they 've overlapped, is that you've tackled multiple kinds of couples. So you've had your traditional, um, you know, if you want to call it traditional, um, you know, male, female situations, you know, whether they're high school sweethearts or, you know, strangers or enemies to lovers, and then you've also tackled the single parent, you've tackled tackled adoption, you've tackled um all these things. You've brought in all these things and made it like this really rich tapestry of characters and as people read, they see, oh, well, you know, that reminds me of so-and-so and that reminds me of so-and-so. When you first started writing, was the goal, I mean, like you said, you finish that first book and it'll never see the light of day like the rest of us um, have that first book. But when you really start getting into it, was that your goal is to write this, all of these, this tapestry of characters or was it just to go book by book and then this is where you've ended up
1: well now the first 18 i wrote back in the 80s for candlelight ecstasy and they had a fairly um not formulaic but fairly tight set of requirements you know you you did mm-hmm. a b c x y z and with now within that i will admit i did find a lot of of uh, creativity i did not have okay. a problem with their um with their I won't call them requirements, but what they were looking for in a book was much much more formulaic than what I'm doing right now. Uh, Burroughs mm-hmm. is wide open. That was part of that's part of the reason I love working for Burroughs Publishing is because you know as you can see with the uh, with the gay book, Burroughs is very very open to odd you know different scenario, and also they're open to like the Wounded Warriors, I mean, a lot of people are, mm-hmm. have done Wounded Warriors, but not that many people have done bluegrass singers or dulcimer players, or uh, right. um, you know, developmental directors at a uh, community theater, which was right. the the heroine of the uh, September book. So they're uh, open to some things that I think other other publishers might uh, might look askance at because they are a little different. Right,
0: and you've also got, you've also had interracial couples. You've had biracial children. You've, I mean, it's like you've, it, it's. What's fun is it's like it's anybody, you know, like you take yeah. well, a street it's the world in I see. San Antonio, and it's the world. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's the world yeah. I
1: see around me. Uh. Mhm. I didn't when I was writing, um, for example, Maggie and Kirby's story. They're both Hispanic, but I didn't mm-hmm. really think of them. Oh, my goodness, I'm writing a Hispanic or I'm writing a diverse romance. They're just Maggie and Kirby. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're um, right now. uh, One of my characters is uh, Rachel Castillo is half Hispanic and half black. She will get her story. But she's just Mm -hmm. Rachel. I just maybe it's because I live here in San Antonio. Diversity is just part of breathing here, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and we don't think yeah. anything of it. And uh, I don't, I mean, that's when I
0: write diversity, I'm just reflecting the world I see around me. Cool. Um, so there's been a lot of discussion, um, and, you know, we've had discussions at uh, our writers' meetings and online and in and, and different conferences and such, and they talk about the importance of people who, you know that you get second a right, and you read what you know, okay? Because you know it's safe, and you know this, and you know if I read this, I'll have the happily ever after. Kind of like you know, I know if I watch a Hallmark Christmas story, it'll be beautiful and happy, and I won't have to guess. Um, but how important is it, do you think, to for readers to have a really diverse bookshelf when they're reading within any genre? Well. In my case, of course, I live here in San Antonio,
1: it's the world I have around me. Not everybody yeah. has that world. For example, if you lived in certain parts of this country, you, your surroundings are pretty uh, white-bred. And uh-huh. for those people, it's maybe even more important because that is going to be their introduction to a diverse world.
0: Mhm, mm-hmm. so
1: you know I uh, when I was writing the Smoky Blue series, uh pretty much all of my characters, except for Ren Navarro, were Anglo because mm-hmm. that's who lives in Eastern Tennessee. My son right. lives there, and um the very um it's it's just not diverse at all, so for those folks, it might be even more important because <laughs> they are experience their diversity through the the literature, through the books.
0: Through mm-hmm. through what they read. Sure. Sure. And it's so you guys have gotten we're gonna switch gears a little bit. You guys <laughs> have just been travelling like crazy the past several months and um, one of the fun things about Emily and her husband is they are in a, a – they play ukuleles, and a, and your husband plays a dulcimer, or you play?
1: Uh, we both play around on one. We're not that great, but we're both pretty decent <laughs> ukulele players.
0: Okay. And so they have these great pictures, if you go on her uh, website and her Facebook page, and they're out doing these fun, you know, sit down, play, playing music and everything – what is the, I mean, you pulled that in for the Smoky Blue Series with the, with music. But when you go to these events, what is the most fun you have? Is it the interaction with the audience? Is it, you know, is it just the playing the music? I mean, what what is the most fun about all that? Or is it just everything?
1: You know, it, it really kind of is just everything. Um, we've got a bunch of uh, gigs lined up. December that we play with us senior citizens ukulele group ukuleles ladies and gents here in san antonio and uh we've got a bunch of stuff lined up i also sing with a church group that goes out every morning every sun every thursday morning to a different nursing home and mm-hmm. oh okay it's gratifying to go into a memory care unit a lot of these folks can't, re- can't remember their own children's names, but uh, when we sing You Are My Sunshine, they can sing with us. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, I love yeah. going to the festivals, the ukulele festivals, because most of them involve uh, some professional performances, but also lots and lots of learning workshops. Uh, back in September, we went to one in uh, New Mexico, Albuquerque, and I learned to make that god-awful, teeth-jarring chord that George Harrison uses in <laughs> Taxman, you know, the one where you okay. go, ah! and so I, it, you know, it's, it's a learning experience for us. It's, it is a way to kind of give back to the community, um, because, you know, a lot of people in nursing homes, I'm the only, we're the only people who go see them that week. Um, yeah. I love making music with my friends in the, uh, UL, in the, uh, jams and in the practices. It's just, it's a nice counter to the music. Um mm-hmm. I mean, to the books. It's a lot, it's a nice, you know, when I've written and written and written and I'm, my brain's tired and I'm ready to do something different, I pick up the ukulele. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it was, I was able to utilize all of that when I was writing Smoky Blue series, how it does feel to get up on a stage and sing, or to play music for somebody. Um, my characters, you know, you know, reflect the same emotions that I feel when I
0: perform for somebody. How does it? Um, with, and you have a lot of grandkids, very cute, wonderful grandchildren. And have any of them wanted to pick up um, an instrument and join you? Uh, let's see. Um Mateo can sing, uh
1: Caleb's a drummer, Ricky can make music blowing on anything. Uh I can't make music with with a horn or or a flute to save my life, but Ricky can make music mm-hmm. that way. Tanner has been dancing for five years. He does okay. routinely does uh Nutcracker and uh, other uh performances there in Kingsport. Um we're working on the 6-year-old. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if if it, if it counts, the oldest grandson works security at uh Summer Music Festivals. I don't Okay. Uh, JJ JJ doesn't make music, but he he uh he guards it. But the others, yes, there is some music involved. Now, I bought everybody a ukulele. That didn't stick with anybody. Okay, they all have their own outlet for music and they're all pretty pretty good at it.
0: So if anybody did want to say had a 9-year-old daughter that was interested in um you playing the ukulele, where would you have them start? I would have them start with going to a ukulele, going to a music store
1: and trying on the four sizes, see what's okay. Uh what size is the most comfortable? Because they come in four, four different sizes. I play a concert size, which is the second one up from the smallest. My husband plays a bigger one. He plays the tenor. Okay. Uh, and then um, I, for a child, I would say pay for some lessons. Uh, and a lot of okay. the music stores offer them. Uh, but uh, But mostly just take her in, see, mm-hmm. you know, what she, you know, see which size ukulele is most comfortable in her hands and then find a teacher. Probably wouldn't take a whole lot of lessons because there's right. only four strings. Um, but it. I would go ahead and pursue it formally unless there's someone in the family who can teach her. And, it's, and they're you know, popular with we...
0: the kids right now. Ooh, they are well, real popular with yeah, the kids. I think, too, because um, it's small, you know, and it is four strings. Um, and so I feel like maybe the kids don't feel as overwhelmed, but I had no idea there's there's four sizes of ukulele. Mm-hmm. Sure are.
1: Yeah, and, uh, it was
0: one of those. Yeah, I walked in and I looked at the wall and I went, wait a minute, there's four sizes. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I
0: I I just did. I just
1: sat there and tried them on <laughs> and when I was going to buy my first one. And uh, sure enough, the concert one was, was, is perfect for me. I had to play okay. a tenor a couple of weeks ago because I picked up the wrong ukulele case when I went to, uh, went to practice, and it was mm-hmm. like wearing a pair of shoes. It was too big. Oh, wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and your husband plays as well. Was this something yes, that does. you guys had always done, or was it something that you picked up later after you'd been married a bit? We came to it two totally different routes i have played
1: it's actually my fifth instrument. I played okay. piano organ, used to play the guitar before that arthritis ate my hands up, dulcimer and ukulele. Charles had the okay. misfortune of having a jerk for a music teacher who told him that he would give him a C if he'd never pick up an instrument again. So my husband waited fifty plus <laughs> years thinking he couldn't make music and finally wonderful woman here in town, Beverly Gagliardi, uh, who is the leader of our ukuleles, ladies and gents, convinced him that he was wrong, that to go ahead and bring in a ukulele and she would teach him. And she did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, So we started playing with her group. I'm self-taught on the uke, but then I already read music, (coughs) have some sense of chords and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. And we came at it from two totally different, two totally different angles that yeah. ended up sitting side by side at the ukule- ukulele, <coughs> in the ukulele group.
0: Well, I I love the fact that you guys have continued music after because so this past weekend, uh, Bands of America was here in San Antonio that did super regionals and when they had there was eighty four bands, and oh, oh. when they had the final fourteen come out on the field last night. I'm sorry, um, last weekend um, they, I was sitting there looking at it And every band had a minimum of 200 kids So I'm oh, looking wow. at these 14 bands Thinking there's a minimum of 2,800 kids Standing on the field right now And every single one of those kids Makes music somehow um, even the color guard, even, you know, all of them, some of them can play piano, mm-hmm. some of can, I mean, you know, sing or whatever, um, but they're out here spending how many hours, I can't even calculate, um, to end up here. And I really, it gives me a lot of hope because I see that everyone's so focused on, uh, you know, math and science, and it's, and that's incredibly important. But we can't just shift so far one way that we forget the creative energy from playing an instrument. Like you're saying, when I've written too much, I need something else. I need to go do something else. And it needs to be encouraged to keep people in music um, somehow. And yes, you know, I, I assume you see that a lot with, with your groups when you go out at the theater. You know, people are like, you know, I haven't played i haven't acted i haven't done this for years and and the the bliss that they have that's got to be amazing
1: it is and it's fun to see the older actors at the woodlawn because you know not Mm -hmm. not every role is written for a 25 year old and it's fun to see um frankly senior citizens coming back and playing those older roles for us they they don't mm-hmm. they usually will cast you know um age appropriate once in a while they have to age somebody a little bit for a part on the stage but not usually uh yeah. the, the the actors whom are all volunteers by the way um come in you know anywhere from 5 literally 5 years old to 75 mhm it's 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 really yeah. Nice to, You know You can do
0: that In community theater We also went to um, Let's see My daughter's friend Was in The Adams Family Values uh, At one of the middle schools And she had Really been insistent That we go see it So We go And it's a Friday night And I'm thinking Well you know It probably won't be It's, it's a middle school play Thinking It's not going to be Super crowded It was Totally sold out they were having to pull out extra chairs for people. I was in the cafeteria, so there's plenty of room um, on the sides. But it was just—it was fabulous to see. You know, people are really saying how important this is for the music and the acting and all of it. Yeah, I am. And so when you're bringing your, that. so you're bringing your characters for the Durango Street Theater, and you're you're laying this really cool canvas down to get of course people like community theater and and bringing these characters in when your husband's there and he's in doing the photography and everything do you like grab those little nuggets of events and moments to tuck away to put in the books or are you inspired by it oh
1: yes (laughs) Uh, yes to all of the above absolutely uh they when i was doing my first prep work they invited me backstage during a couple of little house of horrors performances i got to sit Mm -hmm. in on rehearsal to chitty chitty bang bang and everybody from the developmental director to the executive director plus several of the actors have sat down with me for interviews Um, and now they've got some fun stories to tell oh my goodness all the drama is not on the stage oh no (laughs) um but, yes, I'm fun. constantly um, – and, I mean, I don't go sit down to watch a performance and think, oh, now I can use this in a book. But inevitably, sure. there is something there usually mm-hmm. that – you're right, I kind of file it away for future reference, you know, bring bring it back when I need it. Um, and some of the, the people in the theater, uh, I certainly, you know, am not, you know, doing – I i look at them, and I, I create my own character, of course, but mm-hmm. you, you might see a facet or two of the folks there at the theater
0: in those characters, yes. Yeah, it, it's funny because I, it's one of those that moments of, um, like people ask, I, I worked in the emergency room in ICUs, and it's funny because people will ask, well, you know, what kind of patients you take care of and everything, but it's not, it, it doesn't end up being... About um, oh, I took care of people who had heart disease or what have you. It's oh, and then you know this guy tried to, he climbed out of bed and ran down the hall, and you know it's it it it, the crazy stuff that happens. And it's it's I it's funny because people look at like you're saying the drama of it, and it's the unexpected moments that make the best scenes. Oh yes, absolutely. So you have got uh, – this is book three. It's coming out this week. And then um, your next book, what is the next uh, – character? who are the next characters you're going to be writing about in this series? Okay, the next characters are Jessica Clary. Now, she, we,
1: we have already introduced her uh, in the Durango Street Ditter. Actually, I think all three of – she appears in all three of the uh, Durango books. So she has appeared okay. in them. And we bring in a new, a new hero. Uh, Brian Howard, and Brian is practically perfect in every way, but he is a police officer. Her first okay. husband was a police officer, and he was killed in the line of duty. And okay. she will, by God, be damned if she falls in love <laughs> with another one. Right. So you can imagine right. where that's where that story is is going. Um, but it's about half written. I've uh, got about – I'm five and a half chapters into an 11-chapter plot. Okay. And so we're – I'd have – it will not be out before – it will be out early, sometime early, (coughs) early in 2020. Uh, Okay. It will – it won't be out this year because – it's not due until January, so we'll be looking for it perhaps February or March of 2020. Okay. And so, then do the you next one, do you
0: plot everything? Do you plot everything out? Do you have an outline? Do you have an idea? I mean, what is your process, or is it different per book? Um, no, I write very. I'm a uh, write write a tight plot.
1: I sit down and type out about a page, page and a half per. Um, per chapter. Now, mm-hmm. this one I'm working on right now, Jessica's story, I have made more adjustments in that plot than I ever have before. And most of the okay. time, I write the plot, the plot works, that's it. This time, I have I have, uh, have made a lot of changes, which is unusual mm-hmm. for me. I don't know whether okay. the next one I will need to make changes or not. Uh, now, Interestingly enough, though, even though I uh, I, I normally uh, I do this, and the editor likes my work, um, she got forty-five pages into my first rendition of a Maggie starring role, hated every word of it, and said, "Rewrite the book."
0: Wow! And I kind of that's a kick in it. the pants. Yeah. Yes,
1: yes, it is. But I can. I can count on this woman for unflinching honesty. And if she says it was bad, it probably was. And so I went back, and i it had flaws. You know, in all honesty, it had flaws. And so I rewrote it, and she loved the second version.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, you know, you have to trust somebody. You have to really trust them to have that kind of a relationship and after 22 books we have developed that kind of trust.
0: Yeah. Well, and you do, you need someone that you, you can rely on to say this is wonderful, this is great and, or this is just not working or this is you're just going to have to burn it, you know. Um mm-hmm. because, you know, books are are, you know, we're just laying our soul right there, but you do want someone who's going to take care of it too. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> Well, we have about a minute and a half left, and so I wanted to tell everybody where to find your stuff. You can go to Emily at her website at Emily Mims, so E-M-I-L-Y-M-I-M-S dot com. You can find all her books here, there for the Texas Hill Country series, the Smoky Blue series, and then you're getting your Durango Street series put on there. Um, there's also ways to find Emily. She's at Emily at EmilyMams.com. You can also find her on Facebook, and I'll have all of those links to in the write-up of the show. And then we look forward to seeing your next book coming out next year. Do you have a title yet? Um, at this point, it is titled jessica's
1: hero uh okay and it will probably stay jessica's hero if okay. it changes okay. it'll be
0: jessica something okay and then how many books do you have planned for we have about 20 seconds do you have, how okay. many books do you have planned for the series for this series? uh eight at this okay. point okay and it, it could grow
1: it could grow sure. i'm under contract for the first five and oh, uh, i love it hopefully Absolutely. and we could it could yeah. go past eight
0: well, here's hoping. I do, too. <laughs> Thank you for having me today. Of, of course, and I'm so excited about your success. So please come back when you've got your next book out, and we can talk some more about how everybody is doing on the Durango Street Theater. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And that was Emily Mims, and this is Patricia W. Fisher with Reader's Entertainment Radio. Keep on reading, everybody.
1: This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.